I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This podcast contains discussions of child abuse, sexual repression and sexual abuse, suicide, racism, misogyny, PTSD and PTSD symptoms, and spiritual oppression and abuse, including guilt, shame, and fear. In most episodes, we will be mentioning some of these concepts in a general way without any graphic detail. If any of these topics or other triggering topics will be mentioned in great detail, we will let you know at the beginning of each individual episode, as well as in the show notes for that episode. Right, all right, all right, Sadie. Hello. 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 I do not remember how to record a podcast. Sadie. Yes. Guess what? What? We're back. We are back. Yes, we're back. We're we're back. Um, yeah. As our listeners know, uh, we have taken great measures to ensure a constant stream of new content, but we have not recorded a new episode in months. And let me just say. And it feels so good to say this. Welcome back to the Leaving Eden podcast, which is the podcast about Sadie Carpenter's life in and escape from the IFB, Independent Fundamental Baptist Cult. My name is Gavriel Hakoen, and I am here with my good friend, top tier femme and co-host, Sadie Carpenter. And my oh my oh my, that feels so good to say. Thanks, Gabby. It's it's good to be back. It is. And like I said before, um, if you listen to our show regularly, regularly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Last week, you will have heard an episode that was recorded 
while Sadie was in labor prior to the birth of her first beautiful child, her new daughter. That definitely sounds more impressive than it actually is because I, like a lot of first time moms, I turned out to be in early labor for literally two weeks. Uh, it, was, it wasn't in pain. I was just uncomfortable. Um, but after all of that, I am very happy to let you all know my daughter Charlotte was born on March 7th. Uh, we're both doing great. Jonathan is just a rock star dad so far. Everything is going really well. I'm getting uh, a really decent amount of sleep for having a six-week-old. And I do appreciate anybody who is praying for us or sending us good vibes, sending us good energy, uh, whatever it is that you said. I appreciate it. Um, and I certainly appreciate being much more comfortable in my podcasting chair and not having to record <laughs> while in labor. <laughs> This is all Anymore. this is all really nice. Yeah. Oh man. I don't know. Maybe this is the IFB talking through you, but I honestly don't think that you give yourself enough credit because in your life, you in which you were raised in a literal cult. Let's let's not forget this. You were raised in a literal cult where information was very limited, ideas were very limited, but you escaped the cult. You have built a good life for yourself. And you're working on really getting your education, um, getting back all that lost time. And now you've brought a beautiful baby girl into the world. And I just want to verify for our listeners that I have met said baby. And I can attest to the fact that she is precious. Well, I just wanted to say if we have any single ladies listening, uh, Gavi loves hanging out with my baby. He's going to make a really good dad one day down the line. Just saying. Send in your applications. Uh, email address is leavingedenpod at gmail.com. <laughs> Send in your your, uh, your dating reels. <laughs> no, 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 no. But like on the reel, uh, uh, your 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 daughter, she is very she is very cute. She is adorable. She is a precious little child. And, you know, I don't know. I, holding a little baby is, I mean, it's really, you know, it's an indescribable feeling. You know, it's like holding the whole world in your hands. It's just incredible. And she really is just like the sweetest little thing. It is so fitting that this is the first episode that we are recording and that we are releasing after you are now a mother. Because the topic of today's episode is, if you haven't guessed from reading the episode title, the topic of today's episode is Mother's Day, which is, I guess, a good time to release this episode. Uh, you know, it's this coming Sunday. Um, but also worth noting, this, this episode comes out the day after my 28th birthday, which I think is a bigger deal than Mother's Day, but I have <laughs> nobly decided to step aside and to allow for this episode to not be all about me, you know, I guess uh, humility and uh, magnanimousness is a gift that I have been given, but it is a burden. I mean, are you sure? <laughs> I'm sure that it is a burden. No, no, no. I meant, are you sure that you want to do this episode on Mother's Day? Because we could just change gears and fly by the seat of our pants and make this a birthday special, which would mean, I guess we would talk about... I don't know. What do you like? Formula One? Yes. <laughs> we could talk about Formula One and the IFB. Well, if there is ever an IFB F1 driver, I will talk about it here 
because this is the podcast where we talk about Sadie Carpenter's life in and escape from the independent fundamental Baptist cult. We seek to educate and to inform our listeners about this cult, other cults, and the dangers that they pose to society as a whole. We promote freedom of mind, freedom of thought, and freedom of religion. Before we get into the meat of this episode, we have just a few announcements that we want to make because we've taken, what, like six or eight weeks off. Um, and in that time, we've, you know, we've really taken the time to reflect on our show. Like we've looked back what we've thought was really good that we've done was really good. Uh, what our audience really seemed to respond to and, you know, uh, what you guys appreciate because uh, we really do it for all of you. We do it for all the listeners. Um, so we want to make you guys have the best show possible. So we're just... Uh, we just want to give you some updates on what's going on with the show uh, in the future. Yes. Uh, and I, I tend to be uh, like an ideas person when I'm sleep deprived. It's like it kind of unlocks creativity or creative thinking for me. So naturally, I've been coming up with a lot of great episode ideas the last few weeks. And they have been really good. Well, I'm like you get emails from me to the podcast email account at like three in the morning. Literally every day. Because I was up with the baby and being sleep deprived makes me have great ideas. So I'll email episode ideas. And I've been coming up with all these ideas that we're really jazzed about writing. Uh, so the episodes that we have coming up, I feel like we're both super energized and like ready to go, ready to, to record them. And then you also got our merch up and running while I yes. was out on maternity leave. Yeah. So if you've been listening to the show, you know, we have merchandise that's available. Also, you know, as, as you guys may remember, uh, you know, when we were doing our spring program contest, I said that I would go on Instagram live and drink a glass of Mountain Moo. I did just that. Um, I drank one pint of Mountain Moo, 16 ounces, 16 fluid ounces of Mountain Moo, one pint. Um, <laughs> I don't know why yeah. you drank that much. <laughs> well, I said I'd drink a glass. How much is a glass? A pint. A glass is eight ounces. No, a glass is 16 ounces. I'm not drinking 16 ounces of that. Okay. Well, I did. Anyway, uh, yeah, <laughs> we actually, we decided that we'll do it again when uh, we get to 5,000 downloads in a week. Uh, Sadie's going to drink Mountain Moo Baja Blast, and I'm going to drink the Mountain Moo Red Heifer, aka Mountain Moo. <laughs> Uh, code red um, yes. anyway um i did that uh, i i drank a glass of mountain moo you can watch that on our instagram account there's a, a whole video where we go on ig live together i drink the mountain moo and then we talk about the show if you want to buy a mountain moo mug or a mountain moo t-shirt you can buy one on our teespring link will be in the uh, uh the description of the show more importantly than all that we want to talk about the programming that's coming up because we, you know, like Sadie said, we sat down, we planned out all of the episodes that we have coming out for the summer. And let me tell you guys, if you think up to this point that our show has been good, well, it is about to get even better because like she said, I am so excited. I am so jazzed up for everything that we are about to do. And I can't wait for you guys to hear it. So we did one of our most requested topics in April with the Steven Anderson two-part episode, uh, and that got a great response. And so we have another one of our, our most requested episodes. I promised before I went on maternity leave that I would do this episode, and I'm going to make good on my promise in the month of May. Well, just like how God made good on his promise to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt and into the land that they would call Eretz Yisrael... We are delivering on our promise, um, the promise of knowledge, for in the final episode of the month of May, we will be teaching you 
how to break the script. You will finally know exactly what to say if a IFB soul winner ever shows up at your door. Uh, and I am going to endeavor to make a flow chart for you as well. That is contingent on baby Chuck's nap schedule, but I'm going to do my best. <laughs> so that is going to be the last episode of this month. Uh, so of what, four weeks from today? Uh, that's coming out. Okay. Sure. <laughs> yeah. But do you want to talk about June? I th- I'm excited for June. June's going to be really good. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely excited for June. And the month of June, we're going to bring you our first entire month of themed programming. We're going to be focusing on different facets of LGBT issues and LGBT voices for Pride Month in June. Also, for all of the homework episodes that we're doing that month, we are focusing on queer and queer adjacent media. So um, I think this is great for us as a show because, you know, we know that we have a lot of listeners um, who are ex-IFB and members of the LGBT community who have dealt with a lot of real hardship um, from their repressive upbringings. And so for me, since I'm not a member of uh, the ex-IFB or the LGBT community, it's important for me to support queer people and not just with words, but with actions. So uh, what we're going to do is we are going to really put the focus on these issues with our podcast that we have, because I think we owe it to our listeners. Yeah. And I'm excited for our June content because we have serious episodes planned. We have interviews planned. We have funny stories. Uh, we have a lot of different types of content planned. So it'll all be part of the greater theme, uh, but it's not going to be like the same episode in a row for four weeks. I love the way that we've got it planned out. That takes us to the next thing, which is that you, our listeners, uh, if you happen to be a member of the LGBTQ community and you are listening to this podcast and you are ex-IFB or ex-fundamentalist or you know you grew up in some sort of other repressive religious group if you want to share your stories with us or if you have you know something that you want to say it uh, like about it you should send it to us in a short email because we want to read people's experiences on the air because it's important to us because we believe that everybody you know has a right to be seen has a right to be heard has a right to be represented so you can send these stories to leaving edenpod at gmail.com which is the same email address that sadie told you to send your applications to be my shared yes so everybody send an email to that email address is what we're saying yeah no um some of the no matter what you want right um some of the bravest people and some of the strongest voices in the ex-evangelical and ex-ifb community have been queer people I've, i've noticed that being a pattern uh even since the early days when I was getting out of the IFB myself, that a lot of the people who are who speak the loudest are the people who had had no choice but to break with the IFB because of who they are. And we want to center those voices in June. So if you have a story you'd like us to read on air, please do send that to us. We'd love to do that. Um, please let us know if it is okay to use your name and also let us know what your pronouns are if you do send us a story. Absolutely. Oh, that brings me to one more thing about the homework section is that Sadie and I once again have decided to make changes to it. So at least for the foreseeable future, it's, you know, maybe just too much for us to do one every week, but we really like doing them because they're a bit more free form. Um, That's a lot of fun for us. So what we've decided to do is we'll do them every other week. So we'll do one where We'll do a week where we do one and then a week where we don't. And then we're going to also tell you what they are more ahead of time. So 
you have more time to actually do the homework before we get to the episode about it. Yeah, homework has kind of always been like our little experiment, but we're, we're working on it. So we want to find the best way to get it done. And they usually aren't quite as popular as our regular ones, but we still really like doing them. So we're not going to stop doing them. Um, but Sadie, do you want to know what our first homework is going to be? Yes, I absolutely do. So our first homework episode in a few months, this one is going to come out a week from Thursday. So not next episode, but the episode after next. And that is going to be the movie South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. So this movie is like ubiquitous. This movie is like iconic. And I'm really excited to finally get to talk about it on this show. I may or may not have mentioned before on the show that I love South Park. Uh, and, but I haven't seen the movie. So I'm super excited to see that. And knowing us, I feel like this is not only going to be hilarious, but also spark some really good conversation in the end. Yeah, because there is a lot to talk about there. And we can find a lot to talk about about most things. <laughs> That's true. I feel like it's something that we do need to talk about culturally, because, you know, at least for our generation, if you're millennial, South Park is a massively important show with regards to humor, with regards to, you know, willingness to push br boundaries, be irreverent. And I think for a lot of people, not myself so much, but uh, like for a lot of people, this like comedy cartoon show has massively affected their outlook on life, on politics, you know, the way they interact with other people. So we're, we're going to have to talk about it. Okay. Well, I think that's going to be a great homework episode to start off with for our first one in a little while. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Um, and I think that's the end of the announcements. All right. Oh, wait, do we want to talk about how I got banned from the Fundy Snark Uncensored subreddit for calling Carissa Collins a raggedy <laughs> shiksa? <laughs> to be fair, you did break a rule. You yeah. you got banned on a technicality. Uh, you're not supposed... So that subreddit, um, you're not supposed to contact the fundies that are being snarked on. So you got banned because you, you commented on her Instagram post. I do think... That this should have been an exception, though, because you were not there representing the Fundy snarking community. You weren't like harassing or brigading her post. You were there as a Jewish person with a very good reason to be commenting on her posts about her Jesus Seder. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I also, you know, I posted those comments before I saw that she got posted on on Fundy snark. And she was she was being like super offensive. And I mean, we had an episode all about when Christians do satyrs about Jesus and how that's like offensive and, and you shouldn't do that. So you guys all know how I feel about that. But on top of it all, if you're having any kind of satyr, this lady wore a camo dress to it. Like she was wearing a camo dress. I was not at like at all calling her like because this is bottom tier behavior i'm sorry like no like and also like one of her like 11 kids was also wearing camo too like this is not appropriate clothing to wear at a seder of any sort like come on like she needs to act like she's been somewhere before you know yeah and i'm, I'm usually a hundred percent for people wearing what they want just like in general i mean but i'm not I know. I mean, no, most people dress terribly and they need a fashion upgrade. And COVID has made everybody into slobs. And once this is over, I never, ever, ever want to hear the word athleisure ever again. Okay, that, fair enough. You're entitled to your opinion. I typically really support people wearing whatever they're comfortable in. 
However, if you're going to appropriate someone else's sacred religious holiday and go on and on and double down on how you deserve to take that person's sacred religious holiday or that culture's sacred religious holiday, you could stand to not to wear something a little fancier than a camouflage t-shirt dress. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe if you're white and Midwestern, like a camo dress is dressing it up. Like, <laughs> no, like, like you got to ask, like, okay, what outfit can I wear so I let people know as soon as they see me that they could drive a f- freight train underneath my lifted pickup? You'd think that hosting a Jesus Seder would 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 be a, a good enough indication, and you wouldn't need the whole outfit to go with it. Oh my God, Sadie! What? I don't like the tone of your voice. Uh, yeah, the format of this episode so far. I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. I should not have made that joke. We're gonna get tweets about this. <laughs> hey Sandy. Uh, yes. Uh, uh. No, wait, okay, 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 okay. So we all we all know that we all know that Jesus resurrects, right? Yes. But does he I'm gonna get tweets and a phone call from my father about that joke. So good thing I'm wearing headphones so my baby's not hearing this. Uh, speaking of motherhood, I think that it's important. <laughs> uh, in the worst transition of all time, <laughs> I think it's important to get to t- the topic of today's episode. I am only letting you get away with that transition because I also want to finally get to the topic. Like, oh so we've been recording for so long. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's do it. Okay. We're going to put our professional hats back on now. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So at the time of recording, uh, baby Chuck is about six weeks old. And we did plan before she was born to talk about some... (laughs) To talk about some mom-related topics for Mother's Day. But I'm glad we did that because even just these first few weeks of being a parent has given me new perspective and I think more a, a more deep perspective on the things that I was taught about motherhood and the way that motherhood was perceived in the IFB. Yeah. So now obviously we know that the emphasis uh, that the IFB places on motherhood as like an aspect of any woman's life. Um, and it's vitally important that you get married, that you have children. Um, and so important, in fact, that like if you are an IFB woman and you're attending Hiles Anderson College, you'll be required to take a christian womanhood and like marriage and motherhood classes yes so even if you're not majoring in the marriage and motherhood degree program you still take classes that focus a lot on marriage and child rearing like christian womanhood and prep for marriage is the other one that i took you're also highly encouraged to take classes like early childhood education or crockpot cooking which will further prepare you to make lots of little IFB babies, even if that's not your your major in college. Man, imagine majoring in making babies. That is 
Like, you know, that sounds like a lot more fun than it is. Yeah. So um, I feel like everybody should have to take cooking classes, though. Like, do you like, you know, how many grown adults like really just don't know how to feel and feed themselves? Yeah, I, I do. And I think that every high school should have uh, not just a cooking class, but a basic life skills class. I think everybody should know basic cooking skills, how to sew on a button, how to do taxes, how to clean a house, how to change a tire if you get a flat, how to change your oil, that kind of thing. Uh, And also um, that thing that public school kids get to do that I always wanted to do where you get to take home a baby doll and you have to pretend to feed it and change it over the weekend and then you get a grade on that. But, But everybody should have to take a basic life skills class, not just women. Did you have to do the thing with the with the baby? Okay, well, so we had one where it it wasn't a baby; it was a sack of flour. Okay, so how long did you have to carry around <laughs> flour for? It was a week, and then I made it into pizza. <laughs> okay, okay. So did you get a good grade? I don't know, but the pizza was delicious. Oh, fair. Well, fair, <laughs> fair enough. Sounds like you had your priorities. Yeah, any ladies that are listening, I'm an excellent cook. Send your Beshert applications to leavingedenpod at gmail.com. You, I can vouch for you being a good cook because you made me French toast for a business meeting, uh, and it was very, very good. But but you're right. So, so the point is, in the IFB, women get pretty much constant messaging about how being a wife and a mom, and specifically a housewife, is the highest calling and how that is your purpose in life. And I did want to to put a quick disclaimer here. This episode includes extensive discussion of gender roles in the IFB, and that could be upsetting or triggering to some people. But also, um, we do recognize, of course, the existence and the validity of trans and non-binary people and people who are otherwise outside the gender binary. We're going to be using binary gendered language women to refer to assigned female at birth and men to, to refer to assigned male at birth uh, because that's the language and the binary way of thinking that the IFB and other religious groups have. The IFB is all about those binaries. Right. And we, of course, recognize that that you know trans people and non-binary people uh, exist and are totally valid. Uh, we're going to use the, the super gendered language uh, because we're talking about life in the IFB and that's what they would use. But in the IFB, the expectations that are put on women are really just insanely high. And I knew that before I had a baby. I understood intellectually that the expectations on women were just unreachable. But I think the first thing I realized um, after I got my baby home from the hospital is just I started to, to realize even so much more clearly how insane the IFB's expectations on women and mothers are. The, the, I got home I got home from the hospital with my baby and immediately realized that it is incredibly difficult to get out of the house at any specific time with a newborn ever. If I have to go somewhere, I have to be dressed, showered, dressed, fed, and ready myself at least an hour before I need to leave. Because I have to change the baby and feed the baby and get the diaper bag together and put out metaphorical fires before I put her in the car seat and then I can leave the house. The very first time I tried to get the baby out of the house, I immediately imagined what it would be like if I was still in the IFB trying to get a baby to church on time early on a Sunday morning. And it just hit me how completely terrible that sounds. 
And it would be 100% your responsibility because your husband wouldn't have anything to do with that. Uh, right. Like in, in the IFB, if your husband's really nice, he might, you know, carry the car seat to the car for you. How chivalrous. And I think the oh. earliest that I've left the house with baby Chuck so far, I've left the house with the baby around 9.45 a.m. one time. And that was when Jonathan was still on paternity leave. And it took both of us to, to get the baby out of the house that early. Yeah, quick sidebar. Uh, the amount of paternity leave that your husband got was absolutely pitiful. And that needs to be oh, changed yeah. as urgently as a dirty diaper. So uh, that's another thing that I realized very quickly after having a baby. I certainly would have advocated for paid paternity leave or paid parental leave in general uh, before having my baby. I knew intellectually that, that that's... Ah! Hi. Speaking of... <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> little baby Chuck. Our usually silent third co-host, Chucko. Okay. Well, she was silent all of the other episodes that, that we did because she was still in utero. I mean, was she silent? We don't. That's will we true. ever she know? Would, well, she would kick you, and you would be like, "Ah, yeah, ow." There's a lot of "ow" for me. Okay, let me try that again. So, I certainly would have advocated and believed in, advocated for and believed in paid parental leave before I had my baby. But this is another thing that really, the reality of it really sunk in for me. After having the baby, now that I've been there and done that, there needs to be 12 weeks paid parental leave for the birthing parent and for the non-birthing parent. Yeah. For up to two parents of any given child, whether the child's adopted uh, or born, it doesn't matter. There needs to be paid parental leave. It, it, that's, yeah. that, it is absolutely necessary. Taking care of a little baby is no small task, and it is no. not a one-person job. Six weeks would be it would no. be a good start, but twelve weeks is really what's needed. But yeah. I just just uh. So yeah, I would I would have certainly believed in it before having my baby, but now that I've lived it, holy cow. <laughs> I mean, but if you were an IFB wife and you had a baby, you so you'd be expected, you know, to have the baby. So, what time does church start? Uh, tip, so sun, typically Sunday school is eight thirty, nine or nine thirty, and then yeah. church is you know nine thirty, ten or ten thirty. So, so let's say Sunday what's... school's at nine and church is at ten. Okay, yeah, that's if if we're being generous. So you have to um, have like you'd have to be yourself ready to go at eight. Uh, so that's I mean, negative. If you give yourself a- no, because a lot, lots of IFB families drive thirty to forty minutes to go to church because they okay, can't so find it's... a quote unquote good church closer than that. So let's assume that it's a, that's an average thirty minute drive to church, and Sunday school starts at nine. So you need to be on the property at eight forty five minimum to get all your kids to their designated Sunday school classes. And this is assuming that no one in the family is a bus worker. Uh, you've got to be on property at 845, which means you've got to leave the house at 815, which means I've got to have myself ready at 715. And that's full hair and makeup, hose and heels because this is an IFB church. And you're also expected to what? Cook breakfast for your husband. Uh, uh, I wouldn't say that you're like expected to, but you would definitely feel guilty if you didn't. Hmm. So then you, you get to church and you've got to leave the baby in the nursery because otherwise, somebody like Jack Hiles will yell at you if the baby cries in church. Um, Hiles was notorious for chastising women whose babies cried in church. Like he really wanted women to leave their newborn children in a church nursery, potentially with strangers, and go sit in the in the auditorium for church. 
Yeah. So, I mean, this is something that I can, like, completely not understand. Not one bit. Like, I, I don't know. I guess this, like, this is how different um, our upbringings are. This is, this goes to show that. But your daughter was the first baby that I have ever held. And this is the sort of thing where, like, when we're talking about Jack Hiles, because once you hold a baby, you know, you, you pick up a baby, you get this sort of, like, oh, feeling, right? <laughs> No, you know what I'm saying? Like yes. you get this sort of feeling like I need to protect this thing at all costs. No harm may come to it and it cannot leave my sight even for a moment. And it like and it's not even my baby. It's like your baby. It's not even my baby. Yeah, it's like a like a loader baby. Like here hold this for 2 minutes. Here is it like I you see any baby you're just like let me protect this at all costs. No harm may come to this tiny little like yeah, you know this. Like this is the thing that we're talking about with Jack Hiles. That like Jack Hiles literally yelling at mothers who have that is absolutely insane to me. Like if you have like a soul, if you have like a, a like any sense of human decency, like that should just be like, what the f- is wrong with this guy? Right. So like, if I was an IFB mom, I would have to leave my baby in a nursery and be in church. As if I could Ugh. stay awake during a church service right now. I I am embarrassed to say on a podcast what time I go to bed on the average night now because it'll make me sound so uncool. But seriously, there's I couldn't sit awake during a church service. Even if I was willing to let my baby out of my sight. Like my baby has never been more than about 20 feet away across the house. If she's in her crib and we're in the other room in the kitchen, she's never been more than a maybe 20 feet away from either me or her father. She wasn't more than about five feet away from me her entire existence until I finally broke down and went out to get coffee when she was about two weeks old. Like she has always been in the presence of me or my husband. I can't imagine like leaving her in a nursery and going to church and trying to pay attention and stay awake. So... Yeah, and I want I want to take us back to something that um, we were talking about with the Duggars, um, because in that episode uh, we were talking about like the things that Jack Hiles believed, um, and and like what you know, and how he was teaching that babies crying was them telling lies to get attention, mm-hmm. which is fucking lunacy, yeah. you know, like. How like and how he would advocate for for blanket training, which is basically just like violently physically abusing babies in order to teach them to obey how like this is batch insane stuff like psychopathic batch insane stuff. Yeah. And we know now scientifically that babies need attention and they need to be soothed. If they're crying, it's because they need something. Period. Full stop. They d- babies are not capable of, of manipulating adults until they are much, much older. Just to be clear, uh, before we have to issue a correction, Hiles advocated spanking as young as six months. Um, his book, How to Rear Infants, says, quote, certainly by the time they can walk. Uh, but it's Debbie and Michael Pearl that came up with the specifics of blanket training. Uh, it's all awful. It's two separate kinds of awful. So yeah. we have that straight. I, this is just seems so beyond the pale to me. 
but like i mean it also makes like me ask like how much control do you have to have over people that you can tell them that they have to abuse their own children like it is just so insane to me like i could never in a million years think of hurting a baby right yeah like the like the entire thought of that is like physically revolting to me like and it's an it's an evolutionary response you know it's just like I mean, it's as natural as like babies crying when they need something. The theory that I've heard is that uh, babies evolved to be cute so that we would take good care of them while they're little and vulnerable. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting because the theory that I've heard is that our brains are hardwired to think that babies are cute um, and to want to protect them so that like anything that resembles a baby is also going to trigger that same Uh, like part of our brain that is like oh this is cute i need to protect it it's like you know with baby yoda where people were just like i need like people saw baby yoda they're just like i need to watch this show immediately i don't even like star wars i need to watch this tv show with the baby yoda (laughs) yeah yeah i mean i guess the end result though it's the same genius yeah the end result's the same either way (laughs) but you said how much control did hiles have and i can tell you that Hiles had enough control that he once called babies the greatest home wrecker, and people were somehow okay with that. This is an utterly insane take from Jack Hiles right here. This is absolutely bottom, bottom, bottom tier, but we should expect nothing less. <laughs> so, so from here's this man. <laughs> Here's here's the theory behind what he was saying. According to him, when a baby is born, the mother can allow herself, if she doesn't control her emotions, she can allow herself to love her baby more than she loves her husband and prioritize the baby over her husband's needs and that that can cause a rift between the parents. And uh, and I understand that you need you know people we we need to nurture our relationships while we also nurture our children like that's legit enough but calling a baby a homewrecker and shaming a mother for providing for the needs of her helpless infant over the needs of her husband who can make his own damn sandwich really makes me wonder like if Jack Hiles just hated babies for some reason it is 100% clear to me that this man was a psycho narcissist who like let's like i mean how how would a man come up with this kind of idea right like i feel like this is the type of take where you like he could not handle his wife you know giving attention to their newborn children right that's probably what happened was that, like he could not handle his wife giving attention to the newborn children so he wrote a fucking book about it that's that's what this has got. There's no other possible explanation like what his wife is taking care of the baby and, you know, can't show him any affection because she's too tired, but he can't actually help her out because, you know, that's woman's work. Right. But like, so what the f- is he going to do? Like, I don't know, you know, make the baby stop crying. How do we do that? I don't know. Beat the shit out of the baby until it learns not to like that is absolutely insane. This man yeah. could not fathom the idea of somebody t- stealing attention away from him, which totally tracks if you like, I mean, if you're Jack Hiles and you're just a f-ing raging narcissist, I mean, I hate to say this, but like this kind of take almost makes me feel sympathetic towards David Hiles. Oh, which is a f-ed up thing to say. That is like, a messed I mean, up thing to say, but kind of right. 
Yeah. But the thing is that my child is not getting in the way of, of my affection for my husband at all. I have time to give him my full attention for at least a few minutes every single day. I have time to hug and kiss my husband every day. But that's because he, he you know, cleans the house and he helps with the baby. You know, he does cooking and cleaning and diaper changes and all of it. And he doesn't refer to it as helping because those things aren't presumed to be my work. And he doesn't yeah. refer to it as babysitting if I leave the baby with him. You know, he just does his part like an adult. And then it's amazing. I have time to pay attention to him and listen to him. Yeah. But Jack Howes wouldn't have done it. That's woman's work. He can't do any of that. <laughs> He's just like, make it stop. Make it go back to normal. Well, like one, it's it's <laughs> woman's work. But more than that, a lot of the teaching and the teachings that Hiles espoused were set up to revolve the home around the father. So yes, there is a concept of woman's work and men's work. Like women's work is within the home and men's work is outside the home. Uh, women's work is unpaid and men's work is paid. But more than that, it, it's the philosophy, it's the king of the castle, you know, a man's home is his castle philosophy. These were the kind of things that I was taught in the Christian womanhood classes and the marriage classes we mentioned earlier. Uh, there's this notorious handout that was given out in Hiles Anderson classes to women. Hi. Are you just tired of being in the carrier? Hey, right, hold on a second. It's all right. I'm not going to yell at you like Jack Hiles would. <laughs> take that baby out. We should get a we should get a clip of him saying, "Take that baby take out." Take that baby out. And then play it every time she cries on the podcast. Yeah. Oh, hello. That's the thing. Have you heard the uh, the theory that like the baby's cry is supposed to be the most like upsetting sound that a person can hear? Other people's babies crying does not bother me. My baby crying. It feels like my skin is on fire. It's yeah. like a physical feeling. It's very uncomfortable. All right. Give me a minute. I'm going to see what I can do for the baby. Okay, I'll be back. We will be right back. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Gavrielle here. If you enjoy the Leaving Eden podcast, head over to our Facebook group, Eden Exodus, where you can talk to other fans, ask us questions, and share memes. That's facebook.com slash Eden Exodus. 
You can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash leavingedenpodcast, and you'll get access to extended and uncensored episodes. You can also support our show by recommending it to your family and your friends. The Leaving Eden Podcast is a fully independent podcast, and we really appreciate your support. And now, back to the show. We are back um, from our break that we took right there. Uh, Sadie's little daughter, uh, Charlotte, was getting a little bit fussy, so she just had to move her a little bit. Uh, we're we're just experimenting with how she's going to tolerate recording. We'll get through it. Um, yeah. I was talking about this notorious handout that was given out in Hiles Anderson College classes, uh, all women's classes, of course. It instructs on how to make your husband feel like the king of the home. And this ha- this handout, there are a few different forms and different versions of it, but I can pretty much guarantee that every IFB woman has seen some version of this handout at some point. So from what I recall, um, you would be looking at like a one-page handout. And I found something really similar online called The Good Wife's Guide, which is an article that was published in Housekeepers Monthly in 1955. Uh, unclear historically whether it was meant to be satire or not. There's some disagreement about this, but it's very literally 1950s ideal housewife stuff. So it's like the first episode of WandaVision. I haven't seen that yet. You should check it out. It's super good. Well, you know, I'm almost done with Glow, so maybe. Yeah. But this handout, so it says, it basically is protocols for women whose husbands go off to work at the office with their briefcase in the morning and come home in the afternoon and like how you can prepare the house to be a happy place for your husband to come home to. So it recommends that you should put on a clean dress and put on makeup before your husband comes home from work. Um, You should have the house clean. You should bring him his slippers when he comes in the door. Um, The IF. So this is not in the original uh, housekeeper's monthly version. Uh, in the IFB version, it recommends having your kids dressed, face washes, face washed, hair combed, and get the children to stand at the door and give your husband a round of applause when he comes in from working. <laughs> Swear to God, this is what they taught me in a college class. <laughs> really? Yes. Um. But just, wow. but uh, in general, but the the housekeeper's monthly version recommends bringing him a, his favorite drink, um, like alcoholic or even just like lemonade when he comes in the door. The IFB wouldn't be recommending alcohol, right? The IFB recommends, uh, you know, coffee or or tea or lemonade or whatever, um, or Mountain Moo. <laughs> have his favorite music playing. Uh, have dinner ready. All the stuff that comes to mind when you hear fifties housewife. But the implication is, and in the IFB version, I think I remember it being more than an implication. If you don't do this, your husband will dread coming home from work. And the most likely reaction, if he dreads coming home from work, is that he will end up having an affair. Like I've been told this literally in the IFB. If you don't dress up for your husband, if he dreads coming home from work because you don't look nice and your house isn't clean and your kids aren't quiet and don't give him a round of applause when he comes in the front door, that your husband, that if you don't do all of those things and do them perfectly, your husband will have an affair and it's your fault because you made his home a living hell. Wow. I didn't get a round of applause when I came home from work today. It is a living (laughs) hell. I know. So ungrateful. (laughs) 
I don't know what I'm supposed to do. My husband works from home. What you have to do is you have to just go in while he's on a conference call and just start going. (laughs) I'm sure he'd appreciate that. Oh, I'm sure so much. He would love that. (laughs) No, I mean, but like, I bet they don't tell you that like all the housewives in the 1950s were on Quaaludes. No, somehow that part gets, gets left out. It's sense. strange to me, like these expectations were so instilled in me from a young age. And for a lot of my life, this is what I aspired to be. And this is what I just naturally assumed that I would be doing this with my life when I got older, when I was grown and married. And now I'm in the real world and I got to pick up my baby. Hold up. And now that I'm in the real world it's a very strange experience to have the realization of how unrealistic these expectations are. I didn't realize like how off the wall the expectations were until I lived it. And I mean, I've got to like, I've got to wonder what kind of man actually wants that though. Right. Like the applause when he like when you walk in the door yeah. after your day at work, like is like, what do you do? I answered phones all day. You walk in the door, you get a pl- like. <laughs> who wants that? Uh, I, like narcissists. <laughs> I guess like if you're Jack Hiles and you're just like, I need to like. I mean, he got applause uh, every time he walked out on stage in front of the congregation. So maybe he got used to it. I don't know. Yeah, that. I mean, that's the only thing that I can think of. Like. I'm, you, have, have you seen Coming to America with Eddie Murphy, right? The original yeah. one, not the one that they did on Amazon. I've seen both. Yeah. Like, you know the scene at the beginning of the movie where like they're like, we've picked a bride for you. And um, he goes in the room with her and he's just like, what kind of music do you like? And she's just like, whatever is your favorite. And then he's like, this is no good. I need to find somebody with opinions. Yes, it is exactly like that (laughs) yeah i mean honestly i don't understand it because like you've literally got to spend your whole life with somebody right yeah like that i mean if you're getting married to somebody especially if you're in the ifb because they really don't do divorce do they but like Uh, if you're if you're in the IFB, like you're gonna spend your whole life with this person and nobody else wouldn't like why would you want you you want somebody who's really bringing something else to the table with regards to conversation, with regards to connection. I mean, that you have with somebody. Yeah, as far as conversation goes, um, I'm quoting from the Good Wife's Guide because I couldn't find uh, the Christian Womanhood handout in my uh, notes or anything. You probably burned it, which was a good idea. Probably this is. I can tell you for sure. This is almost word for word. Uh, if not word for word, this is very similar to what I remember they being probably in that plagiarized it. <laughs> oh, I think they totally did. Um, that would not, be so on brand for the IFB. No, not even kidding. I think they totally did. Um, so this is this is from the Good Wife's Guide, but this is very similar to what was in the handout. Uh, listen to him. You may have a dozen important things to tell him, but his arrival is not the time. Let him talk first. Remember. His topics of conversation are more important than yours. Mm. Yeah. So it's, honey, how is your day? It's too bad the St. Louis Cardinals haven't been winning lately. <laughs> no, 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 no. You got this all wrong. The Cardinals what? are the topic of conversation for when you're trying to relate to cool teenagers. Remember? Yeah. 
Cool teens root for the cars. We we know that this is true because the IFB says so. <laughs> yeah. Great. Uh, no, but like, like, say for instance, like he's upset about sports or something, which is, you know, understandable. Um, I get upset about sports all the time. That would take a, a precedence over, say, honey, I went to the doctor today. And they said that all of this pain that I've been having is caused by an ovarian cyst and I might need surgery. It it feels weird to try to explain this to somebody. I think when you're indoctrinated with this, it seems so normal. But when you say it out loud to a regular person, it sounds insane. It is insane. Yeah, but when you're raised with it, it doesn't seem insane. And then it's a really weird experience like when you realize that this is not normal. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I suppose in this hypothetical situation that like the pain from an ovarian cyst is not something that you would have concerned your husband with anyway. That's so one of the things. it would things... be like a total surprise. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's one of the things I think that can be variable within churches and within church groups in the IFB. It was my experience and experience of friends of mine that maybe later in life got diagnosed with endometriosis or with PCOS or any kind of quote-unquote female pain i think it was our experience topic right there broad diagnosis yes um hysteria no i think it i think it's typical that any kind of quote-unquote female pain is just not taken seriously in the ifb and i don't just mean pain that has to do with the reproductive system i had migraines just about daily through high school through all of high school and I was just expected to function through them, even when the, the bright lights in the school building were absolutely killing me and I couldn't see straight. In high school, I would sometimes just pass out randomly. And I was in absolutely excruciating pain from scoliosis. And none of that was taken as a serious concern. I was expected to kind of just work through those things and function through them. And like your school nurse didn't recommend that you like go see a doctor because I re- – okay. So two things. One is that they definitely tested us all for scoliosis when we were in high school and in middle school and in like elementary school. They would test you to see if you had scoliosis. You like, Okay. The whole on. class would like go to the nurse's office. There's a the- test for that. Yeah. So I thought how you got diagnosed with scoliosis is you were in – insane amounts of back pain like crying from back pain every day at 12 13 years old and then you they take you to the doctor and you get x-rays no we would literally just like <laughs> they would line us all up and then you go into the nurse's office once at a time and i guess she'd look to see if your spine was straight uh but yeah i i yeah, but like this is we, news to me. <laughs> no, like that's a thing that they would do. They'd just be like, "Yeah, we're going down. You're going to get tested for scoliosis today." So just line up and then you just like go in there uh and then the doc the the ner- the school nurse looks at your back and she's like, "Yep, your spine's straight. You can go. You go back to class." Like but I I want to I want to move on to the migraines thing because I remember I got a migraine one time in my freshman year of high school. I was in math class. Um and I just couldn't think and I was just like 
absolutely like i was in the worst pain that i ever experienced i didn't know what was going on and then there was another girl that was in my class and she was like do you want me to take you to the nurse's office i'm just like i really don't feel good i need like i need to go and she's like i do you want somebody to walk with you because i was just like i can't walk straight i can't think straight i can't see straight like i ended up like throwing up in the nurse's office and my mom came to get me and she took me to the doctor and no like and you got migraines every day just about every day yeah but there wasn't what but there wasn't a school nurse at my school there was a bottle of tylenol in the church secretary's desk and then Yet another installment in this regularly occurring segment of this podcast, a segment that we like to call how in the f- is all of this legal? This is we should make a little like a mini theme song for how is this legal? It's like the law and order theme song like the I just play it. Oh, that'd be great. Do 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 do. Yeah. <laughs> We're not singing the law and order theme song so you can't DMCA us. No, we're not saying the Law and Order theme song. Um, oh, yeah. No, th- this isn't. This isn't just my experience. I think number one, if I had been able to express to my parents just how severe my pain was that I was going through, I- I'm sure my parents would have taken me seriously. This isn't just a me problem. This is a systemic issue because I had internalized the idea that women's pain isn't real or doesn't matter so deeply that I wasn't even letting the adults around me know that I was suffering until I was in so much pain that I could not function. Like as a teenager, I, I wasn't telling people that I was in pain until I was past the point of being able to function because I had, I truly didn't believe that my pain mattered. But like, if you're passing out in school, because like you're passing out in class on a regular, like, yeah. won't they call your parents and have them take you to the doctor? Like, or would the classroom monitor just be like, oh, that's Sadie always sleeping in class. Better poke her with a stick so she wakes up. Like, I mean, I did get, I didn't get hit with a stick in school. I did get yelled at for sleeping in class. This is wildly troubling bottom tier child health and safety standards from the IFB. Of course, these are the same people who rather than investigate your feelings of depression, gave you a book that was literally written by a convicted pedophile. <laughs> yeah, that, that did happen. Mandatory um, reporter too. Yes, uh, that did. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No. So of course this idea of, women's pain not being taken seriously it did extend to mothers as well it's so wild to me now the way that like birth and recovery was treated by the ifb like i said earlier we're writing and recording this my baby's around six weeks old i remember women being expected to be at church cook for church dinners or even go back to their job working for the church before their babies were six weeks and number one, I would like to know how. I mean, well, we went out for a walk last week, right? Right. We went up to, like, we walked up to the road. Like, you were having trouble making it to the top of that hill. Yeah. I can't imagine, like, somebody going back to work that soon. Like, did you see Beyonce homecoming? Uh, No, I didn't. Well, she talked about, well, she had a C-section delivery of, like, twins 
And she just had like a grueling road to physical recovery before she could do her Coachella performance. And that took like almost a year. Yeah. That's um, like. Well, medical, common medical thought now is that recovering from birth takes at least six months minimum. And it's more than that if you had any complications or a C-section delivery or, or anything else like that. I had a a generally healthy pregnancy, a pretty standard birth, and I'm 28 and I was in pretty decent physical condition going into pregnancy and I was active through the pregnancy. And yeah, I still, so we went on a, about a mile, mile and a half hike with a couple hundred feet of elevation gain, nothing crazy, a tennis shoes hike. Um, We're all paved. And I struggled. Like, can you imagine if I were our age, if I was, if I were the same age that we are now, but I already had three or four children, Oh, like to try to care for them and a newborn and recover. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't, I honestly don't know how some of these people do it. Or what if you like, what if you had a C-section and they literally had to cut you open or like, say you had twins. Cause I know that they're like just recommending if you've got twins, we're going to just do a C-section straight typically. up. Unless yeah. they're just absolute textbook, perfect positioning. Yeah. They typically just recommend a C-section for twins. Yeah. I, I don't know. I literally don't know. Uh, there, so there are some Bible verses that are thrown at pregnant and childbearing people. The one I remember hearing the most often was Genesis three sixteen. So that one is uh, unto the woman he said, "I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee." Oh. Uh, which is from the story when when God cursed Adam and Eve from eating the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden. And and this verse is interpreted to mean that pain in childbirth is part of the curse of sin. So I remember this verse being used to say that women deserve the pains of pregnancy and childbirth because of sin. Not because of the the sin curse that is on all people, because the IFB believes that any any illness or any physical pain is a result of sin. Like your body would be incapable of getting cancer, except for the fact that that we're all sinful people. Humanity in general is sinful, so humanity in general is susceptible to disease and injury, which is that's a theological concept. Like, but that's okay, yeah. But that's that's like a theology thing. This is a lot deeper because this is being used to say that women specifically deserve pain. Because it's a punishment for for all of humanity's sin, and also for your personal sin, and also for Eve's sin. So if you're like truly like hardcore IFB, that means no epidural, no fentanyl, no morphine. Like you just gotta bite the bullet and do it. So that's another another thing that's uh, dependent on your church. I am pretty sure that Steven Anderson and the NIFB teach uh, no pain medication because they they recommend no hospital births. They all do um, home births or, or birthing centers, which typically don't provide that kind of pain medication. Uh. My section of the IFB didn't prohibit pain meds that I'm aware of. Um, I didn't have kids in the IFB, so I'm not sure. I know there are some groups that prohibit it. 
I know there are some groups that don't. But I'm pretty sure the NIFB uh, doesn't allow pain meds. It's, I'm just thinking Stephen Stephen Anderson's wife also had how many kids? Like eleven without, without pain management. Jesus f-ing Christ, dude! Oh, I mean, I thought Jesus was for compassion, man. That is fucked. I mean, how about these like quiverful Duggar types? Like what? They've got like twenty kids. And they just have to like go for it all natural, just like so twenty. Oh, I had to look this up so I don't make any false claims. It looks like the Duggars encourage unmedicated births, but they don't mandate that. A lot of the Duggar births are home births, or they attempt a home birth. I I still can't remember if Stephen Anderson's wife has eleven or twelve kids, but yeah, a lot. Uh. I want to get back though. To this misogynistic idea that women deserve pain. Because unmedicated birth, that's a totally valid option. There are lots of reasons that people choose to have an unmedicated birth or attempt an unmedicated birth. Um, personally, I would have loved to do that. I had back labor, which quite liter- quite literally kicked my ass. Um, mm. I fully intend to try again for an unmedicated birth uh, if we have another kid in the future. Uh, not if I had back labor, because that sucked. <laughs> mm. uh, the idea, though, that women's or people's choices about birth could be controlled by someone else, though, that is a terrible idea. That that decision should be up to the birthing person, period. But I just wanted to point out, though, <laughs> that the root of this, and I personally think the root of all the topics that we've covered as far as women's pain not being taken seriously is the idea that women deserve pain because of sin. And there's no correlation that there is a type of pain that men deserve because of sin. The 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 IFB does teach that all physical pain is a direct result of the sin curse, that, that all physical pain or damage is because Adam and Eve sinned originally. But they teach that Eve was the catalyst of that sin. They teach that her sin was greater than Adam's sin. Even though they both did the same thing, they both ate the fruit. They make excuses for Adam and blame it on Eve. And I think that that is one root of misogyny within the IFB. I certainly don't think it's the only root, but I think that's one of the roots here because they they allow themselves to specifically target women and say that any pain that a woman feels is because of sin and can be disregarded. And so, like, as we know, like, this doesn't just apply to childbirth. Um, this applies to, like, all aspects of life. So, like we talked about before, you have to, like, literally turn your brain off or you would be just screaming inside and outside from, like, all <laughs> yeah. of the – Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, because it's not just emotional pain. It's, like, physical pain, but also all of, like, this turmoil and, like, unfulfilled dreams and desires because your one true calling – in life, you're told like your one true calling in life is to make some mediocre dude feel like the king a hundred percent of the time, no matter how empty you feel when you do it. Yeah. And since we've talked about you know, all of these physical and emotional expectations on women and specifically on mothers in the IFB, this is just the tip of the iceberg. But since we've gotten into that on this episode, I thought maybe we could kind of change course and you'd like to hear about the one day a year that mothers are celebrated. The one day that IFB mothers get to have everything that they want. 
You mean some peace and quiet without these <laughs> damn kids f- kicking up? <laughs> no, and I also don't mean a day in sweatpants watching Netflix. And also no mimosas, sadly. Uh, because as we know, um, sweatpants, Netflix, and mimosas are all things that are banned by the IMB. <laughs> right. No, but oh, for, for Mother's Day... Tough life. IFB women everywhere get their very favorite thing in the world. They get to go to the church building or maybe back to the Ponderosa buffet where they had the Valentine's banquet a few months prior. Dude. Dude? Yeah. Okay. I saw Ponderosa buffet. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I didn't go in, but like, yeah. Well, okay. What state? Where were you? Uh, okay. So listeners that don't know, I drove from Portland, Oregon to Washington, DC, uh, while we were, uh, while Sadie was on her maternity leave, uh, to visit my sister in DC, took a road trip, but I saw, uh, where did I see the Ponderosa buffet? It was one of the States where it is flat and gray, okay. uh, <laughs> which is not very specific. Uh, like that's a, like a lot of these, a lot of these states just kind of blend together. Honestly, well, you were like, also driving for quite a few days. Well, yeah, but like I'd I'd remember, like because like Colorado looks, you know, like Colorado. I guess Kansas is just like the flattest. Yeah, Kansas uh, is pretty flat. But like Missouri, Illinois, and then like Indiana and Ohio all just were kind of the same. But you, but the, the end of the story yeah. is that you got confirmation that Ponderosa is is not just a yeah. fever dream. Yes, uh, no, I saw I saw a, a sign, you know, those roadside signs where they have food, where it would say like there's a McDonald's or a Subway up ahead. It would say Ponderosa Steakhouse. Yep. Which, I yeah, you know what? No, I think it was the day I was in Missouri because I so I remember that day I had just eaten barbecue. And I was like, maybe I should stop at the Ponderosa Buffet. No, I just ate barbecue. And the day I ate barbecue was the day I was in Kansas City. Okay. so Can I probably- talk about Kansas City barbecue real quick? Um, Yes, I guess. Because here is my thing about barbecue is that I like I like a lot of barbecue. I think some of it is really good. But like I, I, I went I got it in Kansas City because people like Kansas City is the best. Kansas City got the best barbecue. Um. No disrespect to anybody in any other places that are fabled to have the best barbecue, such as Texas, Alabama, North Carolina, or uh, Tennessee. Um, But this is just what people told me. So I got barbecue in Kansas City, Missouri. And my takeaway is that barbecue is literally just meat and sugar. Yes. Like, that's, that's what it, like... And I was, I, I mean, the meat was good. It was well cooked, but I think like it was just too sweet. It was, it was, it was too much for me. Like the, the, the meat was great. The meat was, I got brisket and I got burnt ends. Oh, um, I like burnt ends. Burnt ends are, yeah, I mean, it was top tier. Okay. The meat so, was great. The meat was great. So, so listeners, uh, message us your favorite type of barbecue. Send us a, yes. send us an email. Please do. This I mean, is the I, episode where everyone is asked to send us an email. Yeah, send us an email <laughs> if you are a, a woman who. If you uh, are a single woman who likes life. men, send us an email 
to apply to date Gabi. If you yeah. are a queer person, send us an email. If you would like to have your story read on the air. If you like barbecue, send us an email. <laughs> Sorry, I cracked myself up. Yeah. This isn't funny. I'm laughing because I'm sleep deprived. Okay. Yeah. I think, I don't know. I think it's pretty funny. Okay. I don't know. Would you recommend, like, I mean, you're from, I, I guess you're from kind of everywhere. You're from St. Louis. You're from St. Louis, Iowa, uh, uh, Indiana, and Alabama. Which barbecue would you say is the best? I personally, I I like Florida barbecue. Um, What's in Florida barbecue? Is it alligators cooked in no. uh in uh, no, it's just uh, a, gasoline like like there's a there's a barbecue chain in florida sunny's barbecue that's really good do they cook their barbecue in energy drinks uh you know i'm sure you could find that someplace in florida but not make sure it's not monster because then you're then you're gonna go to hell is there a secret ingredient of gas oh gosh that uh, isn't truly florida barbecue is it oh <laughs> No, I'm I'm a I'm a uh, I like I like lots of different kinds of barbecue. I'm yeah. not I'm not super picky on barbecue. No. Anyway, uh, I tend to like things that are sour. So if there's a vinegar based one, because Alabama is vinegar based, right? I think so. Alabama is like white sauce, and it's it's maybe a little more sour. So there's there's Alabama white sauce barbecue, and then there's also um, a different type of barbecue you're just gonna have to you're just gonna have to visit alabama eat all the barbecue yeah okay i gotta i gotta keep moving right that's right you've got you have a baby you left it with your husband it and he's working <laughs> no i'm, I'm good you i just her. i it's need more coffee she's a person now i mean we're not gonna get into that <laughs> on this episode what was i saying uh oh mothers of the ifb for Mother's Day, they get to go to yet another church event, and it's called the Mother-Daughter Banquet. Uh, like So for Valentine's Day, well, we had the Valentine's Banquet, where there was like the kissing simulation to promote intimacy. So I'm assuming that the Mother-Daughter Banquet is like the type of thing where like, what they, they go and they talk about like how the daughters are going to be mothers in the future, like that one creepy-ass John Mayer song. I have had that song stuck in my head since we started the episode, so I'm glad you brought it up. Mm. And it is it is kind of that vibe of, like, women who reproduce and, like, have children. And, like, it is kind of that vibe. But I want to tell you – I don't know. I want to tell you a little bit – a different perspective of what I've seen looking back at this event. Because – the vibe of the event is very predictable and it is, it's very similar to the Valentine's banquet. So there's not a lot of use in describing the particulars and, and what the featured speakers might say is predictable, but I have some observations that I think go beyond the predictable. And that's why I wanted to bring this up. The mother daughter banquet. It's fashioned like a tea party, just like the Valentine's banquet is fashioned like a formal event. So women wear, they wear their Sunday dresses. The food might be finger sandwiches and tea and coffee and other quote unquote ladylike foods. I was thinking back to these events that I went to with my mom. And when I was a little kid, I loved the mother-daughter banquet. I was the kind of kid, I loved climbing trees and I loved running around with the boys, but I also loved getting super dressed up. 
So I I lived for the mother daughter banquet and wearing my like super roughly little white socks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is cute though. Oh yeah. But but like so they're doing tea. so like aren't they afraid that like you know a tea party like a, a I guess this is very British style tea party. Isn't that going to like turn you communist? Uh no, it's tea with sugar. So That's right. All good. No what? communism. Cuz you guys are southern. And yeah, we're southern adjacent. Yeah. Yeah, and southern so tea is sweet. Yeah. By the way, I would just want to throw this out there. I would love to go hang out with my mom and drink tea and eat finger sandwiches. That sounds like a great time. So that's kind of what I'm getting at with comparing this to the Valentine's banquet. I think I said in our super duper controversial Valentine's banquet episode (laughs) that the typical Valentine's banquet, it might be completely miserable, but it also might not be. You might have a good time with your partner. It, it, misses the mark of like a romance factor of a nice restaurant, a bottle of wine, a violinist playing by the table. It's not that. It tries to be that and it's not that. But it's not always bad. A Valentine banquet could totally be fun. It's just, it's not romantic. Okay, a Valentine banquet is not going to show up as the one-on-one date on the next season of The Bachelor. The Valentine's banquet presumes that everybody is super into this church thing and that you and your wife would love to dress up in formals and go to your church with all the lights on and play weird kissing games in front of the other couples Ah. in your church. And that's what I'm trying to get to with the mother-daughter banquet. It's not that there's anything wrong. Like, it could be fun to dress up in formals and go to your church and eat food and, like, hang out with your church friends. There's nothing wrong with doing that. It's the presumption that that is what you and your partner want to do for Valentine's Day. That's the issue. The mother-daughter banquet, similarly, it presumes that every femme person, every woman or whatever, is super into hyper-femininity. Everything from the food to the themes to the decorations, it's 100% what society says is super feminine. So, like, lace and roses and finger sandwiches and tea and, like, classical music and, like, it's it's hyper-feminine. So, what you said was super great. Like, how you would love to get dressed up and take your mom out to a nice tea place and sit around drinking tea with your mom. That sounds like a great time. I would absolutely do that any day of the week. And that I sounds agree. Like, like I yeah. loved this as a kid. I love getting super dressed up and and going and eating finger sandwiches and drinking tea with my mom. I thought it was the best thing ever. Especially now during COVID. I don't get to hang out with my mom nearly as much as I would like to. Right. And and that sounds like a great thing to do. I would super be down to take my mom out for tea and finger sandwiches and buy her flowers and wear nice dresses. And, you know, now... Maybe sometime soon I can take my mom out with her first grandchild and do that. Aww. And that sounds super fun and super sweet. The thing about the mother-daughter banquet, though, as I look back on it, what I see is that it's it's not that the practice itself of having this banquet is inherently harmful or bad in any way. The thing is that it's really set up, though, to underline the hyper-femininity that the IFB expects from people that they define as women. So a lot of moms in the IFB, their idea of a good time might be a tea party with their daughter. And this would be great for them and they'd have a great time. 
But some moms, their idea of a good time might be hanging out in a hot tub with a good book or getting a few hours all to themselves. Or if they're, you know, there are moms whose idea of a good time is a four hour nap. That's you right now. Me right now. <laughs> I was going to say that, but you got to it first. Uh, or there are some moms that their idea of a good time is a hunting trip or having time to go work out at the gym. And if that's you, then being forced into this hyper feminine mold isn't going to be a great time. So the bottom line for me is it's nice that there's a day to honor the mothers of the church, but I don't like that they can't do that without pushing their agenda of like, this is what a woman is and this is what femininity is and this is what you are supposed to want. Yeah. I mean, but like for anything, like, is that any different than what we expected though? Are you all right? Oh yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. I mean, like hear me out though. Right. Cause I feel like so when I'm look like grading the IFB on like how bad that they're doing is like I feel like I just have to use a completely different scale, oh, yeah. right? For like what's cool and what's not. Like if I'm looking at this and something like if something is not actively and intentionally <laughs> abusive to people, that means that it like it manages to pass the low, 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 extremely low, like basement like uh fallen down the well like bar <laughs> that we have set for the ifb so if it's like the type of thing that like somebody might enjoy and it doesn't like actively hurt people that is like top tier for ifb but yeah. i mean it's like mid to bottom tier for everybody else if you're like gonna t- like i i mean women want all different things though right that's what i'm saying it's like yeah. this is this is fine it, like, the only real issue I have with the mother-daughter banquet is that it's trying to put all women in the same box, and that's not cool. This isn't a terrible experience for anybody, except it, unless there's a, you know, a trans or non-binary or gender non-conforming person who's growing up IFB who could be triggered by, like, this excess of lace and femininity. Yeah, I mean, if they're in the IFB, like, then they've already got to be just, like... Then they're already having a rough time, regardless. Going, like, screaming inside their heads, what is wrong with me every day of their lives? And then they're like, oh, wait, nothing's wrong with me. My upbringing is just insane. Yeah. It's just just that, you know, I... I'm disappointed that, like, one of the the most pure and innocent things about the IFB still comes with just this heavy, heavy weight of the baggage of gender roles. Because like, it's that's mandatory. What it you can't opt out of it. Yeah, because this could be, like, the mother-daughter banquet could be one of the best things about the IFB. Like, one of the sweetest and innocent, most innocent things. But you've got, like, this just, like, insane amount of gendered shit. And then you also have featured speakers. And a lot of times it's somebody like Michelle Duggar. Uh, and it's kind of just like the speaker is more of the same like good wife's guide thing. You know, it's more of like the expectations and the rules and the shaming if this particular way of being feminine isn't what you personally want. Yeah. Hmm. So it's like, I mean, you know, continuing with the brainwashing is just like really reinforcing their ideas. So like, even if this manages to pass our low, 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 low bar for like anything run by the IFB, like 
So for me, this ranks above the Christmas cantata, but it is below a hot air balloon church day. Fair enough. Because, yeah. No, I think the point that I'm trying to make about the whole thing is that there can't be one wholesome thing like a mother and daughter tea party without an agenda. Like every single activity, even what should be fun, it's always reinforcing the same old ideas and the same old gendered expectations. And this is just an example of how that's hammered into you every day of your life. It's like, this is what you like. You know, that's what it is. It's this, this is, is what, what you, you like. like. It, it's telling people what they like. And that's do it's you, disappointing because this should just be one of the best things. Do you remember that time when they were like trying to get Ellen to endorse uh, 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 pens that were pink? So they're for oh women. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah. Bic, oh, I think it was big pens for women. Pens for like what? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like that. Wound them on her show. Yeah. No, it is. This is what you like. You are a man. Here is a a Dodge Viper and (laughs) pickup trucks. A deodorant that smells like Forest Warrior. Forest Warrior. Yeah. No, do do you? Okay, uh, man. I get the worst Facebook. I got Instagram ads for steroids the other day, man. Some of that is so toxic. They're just like, you are a man. This is what you like. Muscles. I get uh, Instagram ads for uh, Juvederm for lip injections. I get Instagram ads for Botox. Uh, you feel called out by those? No, I get your Instagram skin ads is very for, good. Like my face is perfectly fine. I get Instagram ads for plastic surgery all the time, which is disturbing. That like, is disturbing. I get Instagram ads for makeup and skincare, which are legitimate interests of mine. Don't care. I get Instagram ads for tattooed on makeup, microbladed eyebrows, and lash extensions. Totally fine. Not my interests, but you could, you know, extrapolate that I might like might like those things because I like a lot of makeup and skincare stuff. Fine. What I don't like is ads for surgery. Like I get ads for weight oh. loss surgery, which I do take issue with. Uh, because yeah. weight loss surgery. I had a baby six weeks ago. I do not need that. <laughs> You'll be like the thing like I get ads for all sorts of like diet and workout plans because I assume that they just know from my location data that I'm at the gym every day. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's just like they're, they're just like, you know what this guy probably wants this guy like but I got an ad for literally testosterone injections on Instagram. Is that legal? I don't think so. Oh, my God. OK, thing- so I want to do. OK, hold on. Go ahead. I I sent you this. I'll see if I can find it and let me send this back to you. Oh my god. Okay, so I have one more quick tangent and then I want to uh, finish up this episode so I can That's actually right, check on got... my human child that I made. Okay, yeah. listen though. I I am I am saying this <laughs> I'm saying this in public because I can. I am waiting for someone who has a multi-level marketing weight loss bull- supplement to message me and say, "Hey, do you want to lose the baby weight?" I am uh, waiting. Oh, you have something planned? The first person who says that to me is going to get an earful about preying on women who are vulnerable uh, and how gross that is. I'm just waiting. So I'm just waiting. Somebody. Check your phone right now because I okay. just sent you. Stronger bones. Yeah. What? It doesn't. 
it literally said like this is literally an ad for what does it say it says get underscore peak um is the page that recommended it says get hormone testing and optimization from home get started for 45 dollars testosterone cypionate c-y-p-i-o-n-a-t-e injection 200 milligram that's what like this is an ad that i got on instagram no, I sent Sadie like, a screenshot of it. No, I, I'm looking at the screenshot, and it's from your Instagram account, and it's a screenshot of an ad. Holy yeah. cow. What? Like, what the f***? Like, how, how is that legal? How is it legal for them to I, be, like, try, like literally advertising steroids? The other thing that I see is that um, I got these ads. Did I tell you about this? There was an ad that I got for probiotics to make your balls grow because if you do steroids, it makes your balls, no. like, shrink up. No, yes. I, no, no. So, like, you need these probiotics to make your no. balls return to normal size. Yeah. Okay, okay. So this this episode is about misogyny, uh, but this is worth a, a sidebar to say that, like, hey, you know, women are given a lot of body issues by men, by media, and that sucks. But uh, it happens to men too, and it's also it's it's just as uncool. Quit oh, it. it's very uncool. They like this is a huge problem. I look at this stuff. Quit like, selling your products based on people's body and image issues. It's just as gross if that person is a man. Yeah, it's like, like it's men super can be weird. preyed on by this stuff too. It's not cool. Stop it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm a, a a healthy man. I, you know, I exercise regularly, but I don't look like f-ing shredded like these dudes in these advertisements do. But I don't have a problem with that. I look like you're a normal like you're a very dude, confident just, person. Like, can you imagine yeah. what that's doing to people who aren't? Yeah. Oh, it's f-ing them up bad. It's f-ing up. You can't be doing that to people. That's wrong. It's it's so it's so predatory. Like the messaging. It's so problematic, man. Anyway, we gotta we gotta get back to these issues because um, yeah. Yeah, we gotta finish this up. Yeah. So, but like, say I'm a young IFB boy and it's Mother's Day, right? So like, obviously I'm not included in this mother-daughter banquet situation. So what is it that I'm doing? So at my, I don't know if this is typical. At my church, um, men and boys would often be the servers for the the Mother's Day or the mother-daughter banquet. Uh, So after a year of women and girls serving the men at every single meal, it would finally be our turn to have someone else pour our drinks and bring us food. So just like one, not like even one day, like one meal a year. Yes. And unfortunately, this was still kind of made a joke of. I I don't know how to explain the way this was treated. Other than, I guess I could say the whole thing was done in a mocking way. Like it's, it's, like, it's so funny that the men are breaking the way that things should be to serve the women. Like a man pouring a woman a cup of coffee was the funniest joke in the world. Yeah. So do you know what this reminds me of? What? So did you ever see uh, the, the Batman movie? It was the third Batman movie and the Christopher Nolan trilogy, the, the Dark Knight Rises. Uh, yes, I think so. Yeah, it was the one with Bane. Yes, I've seen that. Yeah. So in the movie, there's like this prison, right? And the prison is like this pit in the ground. Oh, okay, and, yeah, I've seen this. I've seen yeah. this. Yeah. And like, you see, yeah, so you can like escape it if you can jump across this gap, but the gap is too far for anybody to jump across. And the reason that they gave was they're like, oh, there is no despair without hope. So 
like for for like one meal a year they give you a taste of what life could be like and then they mock you for it and then Ugh. force you to go back to the way it was immediately after like honestly if like you were a little bit like waking up from your brain sleep mother's day in the ifb sounds like it would be just like a soul crushing experience Okay, that was a really good point, and I want to expound on that. Yeah. Because to me and to you and to other people who are not currently IFB, it does sound like a soul-crushing experience. But if you were raised to think that being a mom was the most important thing you could ever do, regardless of whether it was a personal priority for you, and if you were told your whole life that this was the highest honor and that serving your husband and having children was the goal of your existence – And then you found an IFB man and you got married and you had a few kids and you have all these memories of going to mother-daughter banquets with your own mom like 20 years before. You now finally get to go to the mother-daughter banquet with your kid, with your daughter. It wouldn't feel soul-crushing. It would feel like you'd achieved something monumental, achieved your purpose. So in addition to what you said about there is no despair without hope, this experience – if you're 100% bought in, it could be an ex- it could be an amazing experience. You might be sitting there thinking, how sweet of the men in the church to bend from their God-given position of authority to serve you for the day. You might think how lucky you are to hear Michelle Duggar talk in her weird, breathy voice about having eight kids in 10 years will make you lose your marbles uh, in a laundry room. I guess if like soul-crushing repression is the norm, then one day without it is pretty nice. That's true, but there's another layer as well. Because if you're completely brought, bought in, if you've shoved any dissenting thoughts that you might have so far down that you can't even hear them echoing around in your brain anymore, you might actually enjoy and relish this. But if you haven't shoved those thoughts down hard enough, you're probably miserable at this event. Like you're sitting up straight in uncomfortable clothes with itchy stockings on, listening to Michelle Duggar yammer on when all you want is a freaking cheeseburger. My point is that this is actually an incentive to buy in to the IFB way of life. If hypothetically, if you're a young IFB wife who sees through the bullshit and wants to leave, but you're stuck in the IFB for whatever reason, the lost cause fallacy, or because you're too afraid to leave and lose all your family and social relationships, or if because you fear that you don't have the education or experience to hack it in the outside world, uh, if you can't leave because your spouse isn't ready to leave and you don't want to lose them, uh, if you push them to leave, you might lose them. If you're in this person's shoes, you have two choices. You can't not go to the mother-daughter banquet. You can just, you can go and be miserable because you see all the ways in which they're trying to reinforce this restrictive idea of what it means to be a woman or to be feminine. Or you can go to the mother-daughter banquet, turn off your brain, turn on the switch, get in the headspace, like believe hard enough, sell out mentally to the IFB. If you're willing to turn that part of your brain off and buy into the IFB way of thinking, you can enjoy this event and not be miserable. Yeah, I guess it's like every like everybody else is around you is enjoying themselves, or they seem to be enjoying themselves. So why can't you? Right. So there's this huge incentive to just kind of surrender to the BS and and just try to enjoy yourself because not going 
is not really an option for somebody in that position. If you can't leave yet, you can't leave yet. So a lot of people tend to just go with it because it's, it's, it's easier than trying to mentally fight it so hard. But like a lot of things, if you don't use your mind, it can atrophy. Your critical thinking skills can get really rusty. So this is, uh, this is just one more little piece of the puzzle, I think, of how the IFP keeps people, how any cult group keeps people. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I've like sort of experienced this on the opposite end, I guess. And it's not always sort of a bad thing. You know what I'm saying? Because like, I mean, you, you ever like decide, oh, you're going to go to the movies with your friends, right? Or you're going to go to a concert with your friends, right? And there's going to be that one friend, right? And whatever you decide to go see that it isn't going to be good enough or mm. sophisticated enough yeah. for them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like uh, the one hipster friend that's going to be like that and not get any enjoyment out of something that's mainstream. You know, you like you just want to like slap them in the face and say that can't you just enjoy yourself for once Mm. but this is like that but like flipped on the opposite side you know what i'm saying where it's just like yeah it's the inverse of that exact situation and this this feeds into something i've said before most cults or cult leaders are not powerful enough to control your mind most Cult leaders have to enlist you to actively and willingly self-brainwash because no leader can be present with you 24-7. And even if they were physically present with you all the time, they can't see inside of your mind. So in general, cult leaders have to get you to carry on the work of brainwashing even when they are not with you. And this is just one more method of doing that. This is one more way to incentivize or convince you to do that self-brainwashing. And and that was a real bummer. Um, As usual, at the end of the episode, I've managed to probably bum everybody out. Is that Harry? Yep. Chuck in the background. It's Harry. You want me to let him out? No, it's fine. Okay. No, this is just the, the episode of me dealing with my tiny human and my tiny panther. But somehow... Like, through all of this bullshit that the IFB, speaking of my tiny human, through all of this that I went through in the IFB, I somehow still came out wanting to be a mom. And just like having a kid has really, like, convinced me that that paid parental leave should be a thing, having a kid has also really convinced me even further that people should be able to choose whether they want to be parents or not. Like, I have friends who are just so badly wanting to be parents, and they're you know, hoping to find a partner to raise kids with or they are having doing fertility treatments right now or whatever their situation is, just wanting to be parents. And I also have friends who are very firmly against the idea of ever having a child. Just like, I know this is not for me for health reasons, mental health reasons, the list goes on and on. And of course, I knew mentally before I had a baby that these are these both of those people are equally valid and should be supported, but I think having a baby of my own uh, has just really cemented that for me even more as well. Yeah. I mean, I feel like being wanting to be a mom, right, is just something that like some people are hardwired to want and then some people just aren't. Yeah, and I think the the fact that I still knew for sure that I wanted to do it after all of that, I think that supports your theory really well. Yeah. Well, I hope that someday you and your daughter get to have a nice tea party 
with finger sandwiches, but without all of the harmful messaging about what it means to be a woman. Yeah, uh, I hope that she always feels like she can enjoy things without any kind of pressure about unnecessarily gendering activities or clothing or whatever. And I hope that that baby Chuck is never told that there's anything at all that she can't enjoy because of gender stereotypes. But also I do hope that we get to have a tea party. Um, hmm. <laughs> and uh, I don't want to, I don't want to tell her what to wear, but I hope that she'll put on a, a fluffy dress at least once in a while. Yeah. We'll see. I think she'll turn out like me. I was very much a, a, a wear a, wear a fluffy dress and then also go climb a tree child. And uh, I think that's, maybe going to be her personality you get the Um, best of both worlds that's we'll see she can be whoever she wants to be though i look forward to those tea party days coming yeah and i think that's a beautiful sentiment to end this episode on uh this was a ramble because we were just just back (laughs) yeah first episode back uh next time it'll be more focused uh do we want to tell them what we're going to do next time what are we going to do next time i have to look it up um let me look yeah so next episode, uh, it will be out a week from today. Uh, what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about, oh, that's going to be the Chick Tracks. Um, that'll be really good. If you know what Chick Tracks are, I don't quite know what Chick Tracks are, but Sadie says that there's something that's really interesting and really crazy. So that's going to be really cool. Um, yeah. And then after that, it's going to be our uh, homework episode of the South Park movie. So a chick track is going to be May 10th. South Park movie is going to be May 13th. Uh, until uh, then, uh, this has been the Leaving Eden podcast. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, Twitter at uh, Facebook and Instagram is uh, Leaving Eden Podcast. Twitter, it is at Leaving Eden Pod. Please send us in your emails uh, uh, of stuff. Uh, especially if you are a queer person that has a story that you want us to talk about on uh, during our, our Pride Month. Uh, if you have a story that you want us to tell, uh, if you want, uh, uh, go ahead and send that to leavingedenpod at gmail.com, uh, gmail.com. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sadie, do you want to plug your social? Uh yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at Sadie Carpenter Music or on Twitter at Hell Yes Sadie. I've actually been tweeting a little bit more lately, so uh, yeah. I want a gold star for that. Yeah, and we're going to um, be, I think we've talked about doing this, but uh, we have a clubhouse club called Eden Exodus. Uh, you can join our Facebook group. The Facebook group is Eden Exodus. There's also a clubhouse club. And every once in a while, we're going to go on the the clubhouse club and you can show up and ask questions to Sadie and me and we'll be hanging out there and that'll be super fun. Um, but you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and Clubhouse at G A V R I E L H A C O H E N. Um, anything else we need to say before we're ready to go? Uh, no, I, I think that's. I think we covered literally every topic possible from barbecue to ponderosa. Yeah. So <laughs> I was going to talk about Beyonce, rid, but yeah, we uh, talked about everything in this episode. We did it. <laughs> yeah, we did it. We did it, and we're back. Um, This has been a bit of a ramble, but we're really just getting back into the swing of things. And we can't wait uh, to share all of our episodes that we have coming up with you, uh, with you guys. Uh, Yeah. So talk to you guys later. You have a nice day. Bye bye. Mm -hmm.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.